The philosophy of language in its earliest forms goes back to Plato, Aristotle, and the Roman Stoic schools of philosophy. It took up a dominant role in philosophy in the 20th century when true philosophers such as Ludwig Wittgenstein, arguments were made that much of philosophy consisted solely of word puzzles that had no real purpose, meaning, or answers. According to this analytic school of philosophy, the sole purpose of philosophy is to help science and other disciplines dealing with real-world physical problems maintain clear and logical syntax and semantics for their theories and solutions. Purely philosophical inquiries such as metaphysics, ontology, ethics, morality, philosophy of mind and consciousness, epistemology, theology, aesthetics, politics, all of these, according to the analytic school, are derived from confusion over the syntax and semantics of words and language. Certain subjects of human consciousness simply cannot be talked about. Thus comes the famous expression, whereof one cannot speak, thereof one must be silent. The initial intent of the philosophy of language was to understand language and to, and to derive its essential nature. We cannot think logically or illogically without using some form of language. Without language, we simply have arbitrary, random actions. God can get away with arbitrary, random actions because he needs neither food, water, heat, nor, nor anything else to exist. But this is not something any human can live by unless they choose death as their life. This initial intent was a noble purpose, especially for, from the working class perspective, since language is how illusions hide themselves and pretend to be truths. However, noble intentions seem not to be possible in the modern technological world, and the philosophy of language, as with every other purely academic study, now serves primarily as a means to maintain well-paid positions of academic tenure and to create more trees or illusion by which to hide the force of reality from hoi polloi. A good example of this result is the philosophy of language's effect upon the philosophy of science, a topic I hope to cover separately. A uh, 20th century philosopher, Karl Popper, answered the question of what makes a scientific truth scientific. Falsifiability, that is the ability to prove the scientific statement false. It can be proven false. Normally, historically, when philosophy finds an answer to a question it is contemplating, it becomes a science. Physics, chemistry, biology, and such were all once branches of philosophy until they started getting answers that worked. Such is no longer true. Accepting a falsification as the defining term of science would result in the loss of many tenured chairs in philosophy, and therefore argument on this subject continues. As I contemplated in other portions of this podcast, the search for power is the essence of humanity. Philosophers are human and are entitled to search for power as much as anyone else. Their search for power is tenured professors generating verbiage for the sake of verbiage, probably causes a lot less harm than if their abilities were applied at business or law school. It may do some good every now and then. From the working class perspective, a basic understanding of a philosophy of language is important so that one understands how the smokescreen of language is used by the powers that be to stay in power and to hide what they are doing. So what are words? We can define a word as a symbol used to communicate. Immediately, you should see a problem in this definition and in all definitions. 
Is the word word a symbol used to communicate? Yes. Therefore, I am logically and essentially telling you the following. A symbol used to communicate is a symbol used to communicate. Or by word, I mean word. How is this definition in any way meaningful? What is the meaning of a word? If you contemplate this problem long enough, hopefully you will eventually come to the famous answer given by the philosopher Wittgenstein. The meaning of a word is its use. The meaning of a word is not other words, logic, or other symbols, but its use in life's physical and social interactions. Members of the working or middle class who have therefore worked most of their life should see how he came to this conclusion even without dealing with the abstract logic involved when contemplated by academic philosophers. Imagine you are a bicycle repair shop during the start of the automobile age. As you sit in front of your shop, a steam engine car pulls up and stops. A person gets out and asks, my steam engine car is broken, can you fix it? And points to the car. You have never heard the word steam engine car before and have no idea what a steam engine car is. But since the driver pointed it out to you, you now know what the words steam engine car means, what the meaning of those words are. If you now had to define it to someone who had never seen it and does not see it, you would use words such as a metal object with four wheels that smoked and moved, etc. Whatever words you speak to these other people will now define steam engine car, but not what you saw since they did not see it. No meaning of the word steam engine car exists other than the social and physical interaction occurring when you use the word steam engine car. This interaction may simply consist of other words. The phrase, the meaning of a word is its use, is an Occam's razor insight into the nature of language and thus of how we think. However, it does have its problems. These problems center around the issue of a private language. Is a private language possible? Do words such as mind, consciousness, and I have a meaning other than just their social meaning?